Bucketheads episode 46 of Lane Grant Hoyland's only college basketball podcast. My name is Connor Lamans, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Justin Golba as we bring you the latest and most pressing news from the college basketball universe. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little slow on Ohio State basketball news. Not Ohio State news because, uh, you know, football season. But Ohio State basketball news. It's only September. We're recording this on September 14th, so we're starting to get, I don't know about you, I'm starting to like actually get excited for college basketball. We're close enough to where I can feel it. I'm starting to look at some schedules, you know, but we're not quite there to where news are popping up or previews or anything. Uh, we do have a little bit of national coverage we'll touch on. We do have a little bit of Ohio State news, though, as the first decommitment of the Chris Holtman era. We had a bunch uh, during the end of Thad Modest tenure, but this is the first of actual Chris Holtman's era. George Washington III, 2023, I believe the first one, right? Uh, he's removed yeah. himself from the yeah. 2023 recruiting class. He was the original guy in that class. A lot of hype around him. Um, he's kind of fallen down the boards a little bit, but he's still a top 100 guy. Um, I don't know if you have you much to say on this. It seems like he just seems like him and the and, and the vision of the coaching staff were not were not uh, mutual. What it seems. Yeah, that was kind of a it was kind of a bomb that was oh, my cat is stupid. My cat's meowing at me. Um, we had a little have a, a guest on the podcast, I guess. Anyway, um, it was kind of a bomb because we haven't had any decommitments in the recruiting in, in any anything from basketball for the first six years, other than when Holtman first took over, and um, pretty much everybody decommitted, and he had to go he had to go chase down Caleb Wesson and get Caleb back. Um, brought, get brought, Kyle Young. brought Kyle Young with him, but Kyle Young was an original commit. He was a Butler commit. Caleb yeah. Wesson was an Ohio State commit that he had to go and get back. Uh, I think Justin Arns was the same way. He had to go back and get Justin Arns back. Um, I think my favorite, this feels like, I'm, I'm not, not to cut you off, not, like it truly feels like a fever dream that at one point Darius Baisley was in the Ohio State recruiting class. He's been in the yeah. NBA for like four years. <laughs> yeah, Darius Baisley was, yeah, he was an Ohio State commit that. And Dane, Dane Goodwin. He was still in college. Still in college. Darius Baisley's like a vet in the league. Is he still at Notre Dame? He's got to be done by now. Um, he might, he might, last year might have been his last year, but he was there last year for sure. But, um, anyway, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's whatever, honestly. He's like, he, he's a fine player, it looks like, but like you said, like he's sliding down the rankings right now. Um, he slid from like a top 50 guy to like he's just inside the top 100 now. Um, sounds like he wants to like run the offense. Like he wants the keys to the car. And my guess is that Holtman probably was like, Hey, we got, we got Bruce here. Um, yeah, 100%. and Bruce is, and Bruce is going to be our point guard for at least two years. I'm sure he told him that like, he'll be a, at least a two year guy. So, um, I'm not sure if, you know, if there's going to be an opportunity for you to be a point guard here, that was not the plan for you originally. So, you know, it's still, um, in the middle of the open recruiting period and um, we'll have plenty of time. George will have plenty of time to, you know, I think there was a list. He's heard from like 20 programs, so he'll have no problem immediately somewhere really good. He'll be, he'll play for a really good team and um, Ohio state will probably add another guard to that class that could even be better than 
him anyway. So it, it'll all work out. It's only September. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I'm even. I don't even know if I believe myself when I say this, but I think as this class has gotten more filled out, I think of the four guys that have committed. I was most excited about him fourth. I actually think I was even a little more excited about Austin Parks just because he's a big guy, and I like big guys. Um, and then obviously Scotty Middleton, Devin Royal are kind of the 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 diamonds of the of the class. And you know, Tayson Chat. Obviously, we'll talk about is it Tayson or Tyson? It, it, it's Tayson. It is Tayson. Yeah. Jason Chapman and Bronny James, you know, we don't know exactly what they're doing. A lot more smoke around Chapman than James, but that's to be that that makes sense. I mean, Bronny is gonna that's gonna be a very tight lip recruitment until he announces where he's going. So um I do they'll probably add one more, one of those two. I if I had to guess, I'd say Chapman over James, but we'll see. Yeah, the thing with Bronny is Bronny's probably not gonna commit till like April. Yeah. Like that that's what that's what um, the national writers and, and people that have more information than us are saying is like, this is that, that Bronny James is not going to be somewhere. It's going to be like, he's going to be committing in like the fall sometime. He's going to be like at the, in the springtime somewhere, which I just don't, that that's not going to work with. I don't think with Holtman, like they're, they're going to fill that spot very soon. They're not going to wait till March, but if March rolls around and Bronny still wants to be a Buckeye, I mean, I'm not saying it can happen, but they're not going to, they're not going to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for Bronny. They're gonna they're gonna add somebody else to this class before Bronny makes a decision. Yeah, and and it, there's no guarantee it's one of those two. I mean, there's other guys they've been in contact with. Those are just the two main ones um, that 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 I think people have seen. I, I who tweeted was it Devere Posey? The tweeted about Gabe Cups was just no information at all. And people were like, "Oh my God, is Gabe Cups flipping? Is Gabe Cups decommitted?" I, didn't see I think that. Devere Posey just didn't know Gabe Cups was committed to Indiana for like a year. He's been committed a long time, uh, but that was kind of funny. He tweeted like it was right after George Washington the third decommitted. He was like, "Oh, we could have a class now." Of he, he listed the three they have, and then um, I think he said Bronny James and Gabe Cups, and people were like, "Oh my God, what does Devere Posey know?" It's like, well, he knows nothing. Uh, he, I, I honestly don't even think he knew Gabe Cups was already committed somewhere, <laughs> but he kind of freaked some people out there. I saw that. Um... Laurent Rice committed to Murray State. He's yeah. at Dayton Dunbar. Because last week I tweeted um, just a list of the guys who have offers from Ohio State, and my phone auto-corrected Laurent to Lawrence, and I hit send, didn't realize it. And then I went to bed, and I woke up, and the tweet was like one like one like six replies. And people are just like basically like, hey, idiot. Dumbass. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, idiot. His name's not Lawrence, you idiot. You fucking Dumbass, and I'm just like, I was like, do I respond to all these people and be like, sorry, autocorrect, sorry, autocorrect, sorry, autocorrect, or are they because they're just gonna respond and be like, just care enough, care more. Twitter loves Twitter loves nothing more than a typo in a tweet. And it's funny because I literally had I had his state ranking and his national ranking in parentheses. So I'm like, if you Do you think I don't know what his actual name is, but I do know his national and state <laughs> rankings, but I just didn't know his name. Like, it was an autocorrect thing. But he's off the board, so you said it could be somebody else. Ohio State had an off route to him. He also plays for All Ohio Red. He plays with Devin, and he plays with Dalen Swain. Um, and so he's off the board. He's going to Murray State, which Murray State's fun. That's a, they're, a, they're a fun school that usually makes the tournament, so good luck to him, but he's not going to be part of that class. That's a good – he's been interesting because he's kind of fallen off a little bit from like two years ago, what people kind of thought he might be as kind of guys like Devin Royal have risen up. He's kind of fallen a little bit, but I mean, Murray State's 
you can't, you can't say enough good things about them. So that's an awesome place for him to go. I think he's like 180 in the country or something, but apparently, and I, I have not seen him play live or anything like that, but apparently he's an absolute stud. So like he could be a dude that like rankings be damned. Like that I've definitely seen Ohio state fans tweeting like, Oh man, they should try to get him. They should try to get rice. Like regardless of his ranking, like they should try to get him because he's an absolute baller. So I've heard good things about Laurent Rice, not Lawrence. Lawrence. I think, I think even it, it might have been his grandpa that like tweeted at me. I was like, this makes oh, sense. No, I'm that's gonna, the worst. <laughs> I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get in a fight with grandpa on Twitter right now. It's not worth it. <laughs> um, where are we at now? Okay. Oh yeah, another thing that we didn't actually have written down, but I realized we we shouldn't skip over. Um, shout out to Seth Towns. Yeah, for sure. His his, his it sounds like his basketball career is over. He's just. The, the it sounds like his knees are good, but his back he was not able to uh, work through his his back surgery and complications from back surgery in time. So he's not going to be part of the program anymore. But um, it was super cool. It was very very cool for me to see a guy like him that was such a big deal in the in the Columbus City League, a public school kid that showed out in the Columbus City League was one of the greatest Columbus players in the past ten twenty years. Um, get to go play Harvard, play really well, and then come back home and rep his his home school. Even if it was only for a little bit, it was still really cool to see. And, and I enjoyed watching him play for the time that he was with the program. Yeah, I mean, it just – that one – I, I, obviously, I didn't say this like on this cause, or on this pod because I never – I'm not going to try to predict this. This was always in the back of my head as something that could happen um, just because, like you said, complications with surgery are, are common and it can happen. And – um you know, I think that there was always a there. I, mean, I think everybody knew there was a scenario that he never actually suited up for Ohio State this year. Uh, hopefully, he's still maybe involved in the program somehow. Maybe a little student teacher or student teacher, student coach or something. Or I don't know what he still has left for his degree. I, I have no idea. So, but nevertheless, good luck to him. I mean, he seems like an awesome dude. He's going to do great things in the world. I mean, he's got a he's Harvard educated, so I don't think that that doesn't tend to be a bad thing. Um, so I'm sure he'll he'll do great things and. It's sad. I think he could have made a true – if he was healthy, he could have made a real contribution on this team. I don't think anybody would argue that. But, you know, health issues are, are what they are. So Yeah, it's a bummer. He's super easy to root for. Dude's been through – dude's been through hell and back three, four times since he left Harvard. He's done had the knee thing. He's had the back thing. I know he's, he's had stuff in his personal life that we don't need to dig too deep into. Like, um, I know he had a friend that – was shot and killed a couple years ago. So that was like a big deal. He's been through a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that he's continued to climb the hill to like try to get to the top of the hill to be like, okay, now I'm clear of that challenge. Like I'm good to go. And then another challenge presented itself. So um, he's, he's fought a lot of battles in his couple years at Ohio state. And uh, like you said, I think he's well prepared um, to enter whatever he wants to do as a career. I think he's going to do really well. Um, Buckeye's got the short end of the stick. Moving on, Buckeyes got the short end of the stick big time on their schedule this year. We got the full Big Ten schedule, the home and aways, um, like exactly what day of the week they are. We don't have times, but um, pretty much in every possible way you can imagine their Big Ten schedule absolutely bone them. Sucks. Every single way you can. For the fans, for the fans too. Yeah, I mean, for the fans, it's tough. I mean, they ranked seventh toughest in a survey by 247 Sports. Um, Isaac Trotter said this exactly. The Buckeyes have basically a brand new team and the fresh faces are going to get a taste of how brutal the Big Ten schedule can be. They play 
Illinois, Iowa, Michigan State, Purdue, and Rutgers twice. They have to go to Michigan, Indiana. They only play them once, but they go to them. And they only get Penn State, Minnesota, and Nebraska once. Those games are at home. But it's like – and those games are at home, so that sucks for the fans because those teams aren't good. I think Penn State will be, will be interesting this year, but I don't think they'll be good. Um, I, it's just – this This is pr- – you add this on to their, comp- their non-conference schedule, which is obviously North Carolina, Duke, San Diego State for sure in Maui, then possibly Arizona, Creighton, Arkansas, Texas Tech. They could all play those teams in Maui. Like this is a – this is a brutal schedule. This is a kind of schedule like you could lose fourteen games and make the tournament. It's it's yeah, it sucks. It's obviously you you want you want to make sure this is. I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm sure everyone understands this. You want to make sure that all of the really good teams come to you. Like ideally, you either have a home and home with the good teams, or you just play them at home. You do not have a one off, or you're just playing there, and that. If you do have a one-off where you're just playing at somebody, you want it to be Penn State or like Minnesota or like Nebraska. And it basically shook out the exact opposite where the Big Ten was like, all right, well, your home-only games are going to be the worst teams. Um, Your away-only games are going to be probably the two best teams. Um, And also, just as one final up yours, you only get three like two or three Sunday, like Saturday, Sunday afternoon games for the whole season. Most of their Big Ten schedule is going to be weeknights. Very few like Sunday one o'clock games. Their senior night is on a Wednesday night. They don't even get like a one o'clock senior day. It's a it's a work night. It's a school night. <laughs> yeah, they're at the end of January. They go Iowa at Illinois at Indiana, Wisconsin, Michigan. So I hope they I hope they get it figured out by then. One thing I did notice is kind of interesting. They always play. The new Big Ten schedule has them play two games in December, like in the middle of non-conference. They only play one. That game is Rutgers at home. So hopefully they'll get that one. But, um, yeah, it's whew, it's brutal. And like, yeah, like they, you said, you're, I'm kind of looking at it more of a, from a tough standpoint, and you're kind of looking at it from the fan standpoint. The problem is no matter which way you look at it, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it both ways. Like, it's you, – you, you objectively – have an advantage if you like if you could pick it's like hey justin do you want your team to play michigan just on your home court this year or would you like to play them just on their home court it's like clearly i want to i want to play them on my home court only if i have the choice because that makes it easier for me to win the game and it's going to make their schedule harder for them because some of the the best teams they only get to play them on the road it just they they I, and it's all random. I'm pretty sure they just do it in patterns of when's the last time. Like who did you have home and away last year and the previous year? And eventually it'll cycle through. And they just got absolutely piped with some of the home and away stuff. And it really sucks with the senior day on a Wednesday night against Maryland. That's not even a, like a marquee opponent. Sorry, Maryland, but it's gonna end up being like a Wednesday night at like probably seven or eight o'clock. They'll probably put like eleven thousand people in the seats. That just and for the fans too. Like what, like you said, like the team wants a full bowl because they want everybody there to get loud and pumped up because that pumps them up and that means the entire season, pretty much their home schedule, they're gonna half fill, half fill the arena. Well, and that was kind of when when there was a lot of I don't want to say a lot of because I don't think a lot of people even follow Ohio State basketball scheduling, but the people that do were upset with when the non conference schedule came out because there's no good home games like objectively. 
again, not to always shit on Maine on this podcast, but Maine sucks, and that's not going to be a fun game to go to. Fucking so, trash. <laughs> just terror. Like, you know, I'm sorry. Get better. Um, what are they? The What's their mascot? It's something stupid, too. The black? No, it's the black bears. It's kind of badass, actually. Oh, it's kind of sick. Yeah, it's actually kind of sick. All right, I take that back. I mean, good mascot, <laughs> bad basketball team. Um, that'd be a fun little thing to do. Good mascots, bad teams. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, so the point – but I, I, I didn't get too upset about it because I was like, well, Big Ten schedule, like, it'll even itself out. They'll get some good – they don't even have that many good home games, like you said. So it's just – it really does – it always evens itself out throughout the years. You know, we'll look back two years later and they'll have an easier schedule. And it just sucks it's this year because it's the year I think they have. I think, you know, you got a head coach who, even though a lot of us support us, us being the leaders of that train, you know, I think this year a lot of people are like, all right, let's do the Sweet 16 thing. And then you have a, a pretty much a brand new team. You have a very, the hardest non conference schedule I can remember. And now it's kind of like you got boned again in conference scheduling. It's just like, all right, this isn't this is the definition of like when your grandparents used to talk about going to school in the snow and it was like three feet uphill both ways kind of deal. This is a tough this is gonna be a tough sledding for the Buckeyes this year. Yeah, Not to say they can't do it. They'll be a good team. I think they'll be a good team, but it'll be tough sledding. Yeah, people have been asking, they're like, What do you think this team's gonna do? And I was like, I think they'll make the tournament. They're like, that's all you can guarantee. I was like, I think that's all I can guarantee right now. But they're that's, like, all oh, they, that's all they've done. <laughs> I mean, so so he's not going to make a Sweet Sixteen this year, and I was like, I don't know, man. It's a tough. No, no, no. I'm like saying hypothetical, like what people will be asking me, yeah. like, oh, so you, it's going to be the year to make a Sweet Sixteen. I'm like, I mean, it's a young team, a lot of young players, real tough schedule. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know, but you no, look again, at their home games. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, but the caveat to that is, if you do get through it and you do get to the tournament, you're battle tested. Right, you have faced these really good teams. I've I've never once made a prediction for how far a team can go in the tournament until I've seen a bracket. It's just I think that's crazy. Like it matchups matter so much in the NCAA tournament. I can't I, I could, like if someone told me right now, I'd say yes. Chris Holman's never missed a tournament. So with worse teams, way worse teams, by the way. So I think they'll make the first round. I got a really good feeling they'll win the first round game because they've only lost one of those, and it was kind of a fluke. So I guess, but after that, it. Throw it up in the air. If you're a fan, let's say you're a, you're a fan and you bought season tickets. You're, you're super excited. You got your season tickets. You're like, I get to sit in the Huntington Club, row eight, all season long. Uh, Gene Smith, what games do I get to watch? All right, I'll tell you. You get to see Robert Morris, Charleston Southern, <laughs> oh, no. Eastern Illinois. Ooh. Also, Chaminade, if that tickles your fancy. If you want to show up for the Chaminade exp- exhibition. M&A. Um, then you get St. Francis. Oh, big one. Rutgers, oh, the, the main the main Black Bears, <laughs> Alabama Alabama A and M, Purdue, which is a good one, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Michigan State, Penn State, Illinois, and Maryland. That is what you get for your money. And then here are the teams that Ohio State plays that are either away or neutral site, so you can watch them on TV. But for one reason or another, you are not going to get to see as a person. San Diego State, you can go to Maui. Cincinnati, or Arizona, <laughs> Duke, North Carolina, oh. Northwestern, Maryland, Nebraska, Rutgers, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, another Michigan State, Iowa, Purdue. <laughs> oh, this man. is like you're like, oh man, there's some really good teams in there, Michigan, Indiana, and it's like, no, you don't get to actually watch those. But you do get, get that cable game. package. 
<laughs> you do get to see St. Francis, though. Oh, man. That's tricky. Also, so shout just, out to you for just rolling through the entire schedule like that. I've never heard it. That was cool. I like that. <laughs> that's that's all the games. I just wanted to, like, I really wanted to, like, bunch together all the home games so people could be like, okay, what do I get to watch? Hypothetically, it's like Robert Morris, Charleston Southern, Eastern Illinois. That's a directional Illinois team. I don't think I've ever seen play basketball. No, I've seen them play football. I'm not positive I've ever tuned into the hoops team. <laughs> That's, I didn't even. I, I, I look, we are we are college basketball sickos. All right, I'll sit down. I will watch. Get, I can't even think of a good example. Uh, ESPN Plus game at twelve o'clock on a Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll watch the the grimy games, but man, Easter Illinois. Literally during the season, every God day when I wake up. Every day when I wake up during the college basketball season, I make my little to-do list. You know, the stuff I got to do that day. Do the dishes and pay this bill. I also make a list of all of the games I want to watch that night, and there's usually like six games. Like, And I would not watch Eastern Illinois. Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> I would never, ever watch Eastern Illinois. Anyway, um, so yeah, kind of a shitty schedule. Speaking of, of, of home games – so Matt Norlander and Gary Parish over at CBS. This is this is going to be fun. Um, so they surveyed a hundred college basketball coaches this summer, and they asked those coaches which home basketball arenas provide the best home court environment. And they said each of the coaches could pick up to three. Um, and then they put out the results of that survey, and they're showing um, basically what percentage of those coaches picked each of those arenas. And Justin. You have not read this article, correct? You have not seen the answers. No, I do not prep for this podcast. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to read these out so that you can kind of react to them and see if you're surprised or not about any of these. Or I may even ask you to guess. Not a single coach put Ohio State. Of, yeah. They had they could put oh. three down and nobody at all put Ohio State. So that tells you something. Um, yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I mean, I so I want to – we'll see if you can guess any of these or maybe you'll be surprised on any of these. So the – this is their tier one. This is the, the most fearsome road venues. The, the, the top one, 67% of the coaches listed this one. Do you think you know which one it is? I think I do. Which one? Kansas. It is. Oh, Alan, come on. Yes. So 67% of those coaches included Kansas as one of their three. The next one was 50%. Do you, think, do you, know, do you know which one was second? I mean, I could guess. I'm not as confident yes. as the kids this one, but guess, I guess. All right, I'll go. I don't want to. I'll, I'll just throw it. Duke. That's correct. No. It's Cameron. Oh, it is Duke. I didn't know. I don't know if people actually go to Cameron Indoor. You know what I mean? Right, yes, like seven, schedules. like seven per game. And then the third one in their tier one. This shows you how quickly it drops off. Twenty-seven percent of people answered this one, which is actually very surprising. I would not have expected this one. The third one is the kennel. I was going to say the kennel. I swear to God I was going to say the kennel. I swear to God on my hand, my hands up in the air, I was going to say the kennel. I've never – I've heard great things. I've never heard anything about the kennel being crazy because they just play like – they play like Pepperdine and stuff and like I guess BYU sometimes. But like they play like pretty small schools. So I wasn't expecting of all the 100 coaches of many of them to put that. Yeah. No, it makes sense, but yeah, I, I know where you're coming from with that. So tier two has four schools. These are the ones that are less than 25%, but more than 10%. And there are four here. 
two of them are Big Ten arenas. This is where the Big Ten jumps in. Can you? Do you think you can guess which two Big Ten arenas are in there? All right, Purdue. Mackey Arena is there. Mackey is is the the biggest of the tier two. We have fifteen percent of people put Mackey, and there's another one. The second, I want to go with one, but I'm going to go with the obvious one. I'll say Assembly Hall. It's Assembly Hall. It is Indiana. Right. Yeah, I almost said the barn, but the barn. I think the barn is more of a niche kind of thing, you know. So I'll yeah, go, yeah, I would. The I, I want to see the. Yeah, so it's Indiana and Purdue, and then the other two um, that are in there in tier two are Rupp and yeah, the sense. McHale Center, Arizona, which I have also I've not heard anything about Arizona, so that's interesting. Yeah, that I wouldn't. Have, I would have guessed Rupp. I wouldn't have guessed the Arizona one. I had a friend who went to Kentucky. Uh, for law school, I have a friend that was at Kent State with that went to law school in Kentucky, and he was telling me like how ungodly hard it is to get Kentucky basketball tickets for students. And then tier three are the ones that had more than five percent of the vote, but less than ten percent. Let's just say of the vote, somewhere between five and ten percent of all ballots included these these four. There's one more Big Ten school here, and which one do you think it is? I've kind of already thrown my hand on that one. Is it not the barn? It's, it's not probably the not the barn. Okay. It's not the then, I, then I'll say whatever the hell they call it, Michigan State's center. Is it it's Breslin? Breslin? Yes, okay. it is Breslin. Yes. Yeah. So tier three was Breslin, Coke Arena, a.k.a. the Roundhouse for Wichita State. Oh, I don't even know where that – you said I was like, the Coke Arena. <laughs> Sounds like um, fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> Neville Arena for Auburn, and then United, oh, Supermar- United Supermarkets Arena for Texas Tech. Which I that is a horrible I, branding. Good God! United Supermarkets <laughs> Arena. I I feel like I watched a lot of Texas Tech at the end of last season, and that place does look pretty, pretty, pretty fun. It oh, that fun. that atmosphere for the Texas game looked like an atmosphere I'd never seen in college basketball. But I've probably watched genuinely over the past five years. I've probably watched thirty to forty Texas Tech home games. I never knew what this what the arena was called. <laughs> I wish I, I really. Yeah, I wish I didn't know that. Um, oh, I could have lived my whole life not schools, knowing that. Schools appearing on at least four ballots. So this is like the others receiving votes are Grand Canyon, which I've heard that the people, yeah. the students at Grand Canyon, are literally just like on coke the whole time. Yeah, Arkansas, Arkansas, uh, Butler, Butler, makes VCU, sense. Tennessee, and Dayton. Yeah, all those make sense. I probably wouldn't and have guessed any of them, but they all make sense. Others receiving votes: BYU. Iowa State, Providence, San Diego State, which I've, I have heard good things about San Diego State, um, and Illinois, which Illinois looks fun too. Yeah, Ill- yeah, Illinois fans would be so mad. I bet the comments are just Illinois fans just shitting on that list. They hate when you tell them anything about Illinois that's not positive. But um, it looks yeah, it, it looks like it makes it sense. looks like a it looks like a fun it looks like a fun place. Yeah, I always Illinois games are so distinct to me because they're so orange <laughs> like it's un- like I, illinois games is in my head are like so distinct i don't know how to explain that but um yeah it looks like it always looks like the camera's a little zoomed in i don't know but it, it always looks really dark in there it looks very <laughs> dark aside from the court it looks very dark one of my earliest one, one of my core memories of as a, as a basketball fan i don't know if you remember this game it would have been i'd have to google what year it was but i'm guessing it was probably 2000 and 12. Ohio State played at Illinois. It was a late game. It was like a 9 or 10 p.m. tip, and it went to two or three overtimes. And Brandon Paul scored, I think, three oh, two to beat Ohio yeah. State. I would have to Google it to see what year it was. 
But that was one of my first, that's one of my core memories as a basketball fan. And that will always stick in me, stick in me, stick with me about Illinois. Because I remember I was like, oh my gosh, it looks so dark in there. And they have like those orange and blue lights that are like up on the back of the wall. And the place was just absolutely bonkers. And Brandon Paul, I think, scored like 42 points. And I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah, I mean, my I, my distinct memory involved Illinois too, but I guess it does, it's not relevant to this because it was at Ohio State, but the Sylvester shot. That was like my love for Gus Johnson started. Uh, when oh, Matt yeah. Sylvester beat, that was the number one Illinois team in the country. And Ohio State was like unranked, but. I need to, I need to find out. Brandon Paul, 42-point game. It might not have been 42 points. That's what it felt like. Um, it probably was. Brandon Paul was a dog. I'm almost surprised he didn't stick in the league, honestly. Here we go. It was 43. Oh, undersold. Brandon Paul Brandon Paul scores 43 points as Illinois upsets Ohio State January 11th, 2012. Yeah, that makes sense. So that would have been the Kansas year? The year they lost to Kansas in the Final Four? Um, yes, that would have been my freshman year of high school. Myers Leonard was on that team, on the Illinois team. Um, but then that was Sullinger and Deshaun Thomas. Damn, man. Um, but yeah, Illinois looks like a, a fun place to go. Um, I probably will not be going to Illinois this season, though. But um, they had some, like, anonymous quotes about the arenas, and they said, um, when Mackey Arena is about Mackey, when Mackey is rocking, I think it's the best atmosphere in the country. Freshmen basically piss down their leg when that place is rocking. A coach said that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, we uh, who do we ask? we asked this question to somebody, and they said Mackey. Was it Titus, or was that when we talked to Chris Holtman? Um, I believe well, maybe both. And Joey Lane and Titus all said Mackey. Yeah, they all said Mackey. So I mean, it, it just like it looks like it. I mean, some of my favorite Ohio State memories when Robbie Hummel had that thirty-point first half and Evan Turner had the thirty-point second half. You know, I remember there was a game Diebler went off. Like, it's just every time. I mean, even this year, the EJ. You know, when they came back from. 20 down like it seems like every time they go to Mackie something crazy happens I'm um I'm excited I'm gonna try my best to make the trip to Mackie because the Mac the Ohio State Purdue game is like on a Saturday afternoon at one o'clock and I think it's like a three and a half hour drive for me so I'm gonna try to boots on the ground that game and actually get into Mackie boots. for that because because that's on my list that Mackie is 1000% on my list basically the entire state of Indiana is on my list yeah, any any college basketball sicko can just hop in their car, drive around Indiana, hop into basketball arenas, and you won't be. You won't I need to go to Mackey. I'm going to try to go to Assembly Hall this season. They play in the road Assembly Hall. I think I'm going to go to Butler, even though Ohio doesn't play Butler, because I just want to see Hinkle. I'm just going to go watch Butler play like DePaul or somebody, because I really just want to see Hinkle. Um, yeah, I mean, they play a lot of teams that aren't DePaul that you don't have to do that to yourself, but agreed. Tickets, tickets would be cheap. Court about Assembly Hall. When Indiana is at its best, 17,000-plus right on top of you cannot be beat. I've been in there, and the building has actually been shaking. Um, yeah, I, I know Assembly Hall is like like um, Cameron Indoor, where it's it's so benefited because of how small it is. People forget how small Cameron Indoor is. Same with same with. Well, Summer. I want to see Assembly Hall because it, it looks big to me on the inside. It looks big, but it's not. Unless I'm wrong, but I've heard it's super small. <laughs> He's like, I heard it's actually really small unless it's big. Yeah. He's like, don't call me that. Yeah. I, don't, um, I like to cover all my bases. I'm more of a Stephen A. Smith kind of guy. You know, I think the it's very cool. The, the like, Raiders their, might. Seat, their seating is literally just like 
one massive bottom section and then a giant balcony and then your old wooden like bleachers around the core. It's so cool. I'm, I'm very excited that I'm, I'm sure that I'll be able to get a pass and go to that one. I'm very excited. On, on the Breslin Center, says, you can't hear yourself think at all. The noise from the crowd, specifically the student section right behind you, is absolutely jarring. <laughs> their, coach, their coach coaches with great passion, and their crowd is an extension of him and his team. Um, I have heard that. Like, I'm pretty sure that Breslin, Breslin does the thing that a lot of people have been begging Ohio State to do, but they will not do it because of, because of money. Hi, I like money. Um, the first like 10 rows around the whole entire court at Breslin are students. Not just on one side. Like Ohio State does one side as students for like 20 rows, but the other side is season ticket holders. At Breslin, all the way around the bowl, like the first like eight rows, I believe, is all students. So well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this: As at Ohio, you went to Ohio State. I did not. I've actually never been to an Ohio State college basketball game. Um, Jeez, could could does Ohio State get enough students to come to do that? Yes, they do. Okay, cool. Yes, I, I they, just didn't. I just don't know. So I've never been. They um, what they do is they have the. Is that be kind of embarrassing? Have, <laughs> um, I think that they. Well, the thing is, like, you don't need to make it around the court like twenty rows around the entire court. You could just yeah, do like true. the first like seven or eight rows, and that's it. And then your season ticket holders could start in like row seven or eight. Ohio State does behind the benches that entire side court side, and then when that fills up, they do behind one of the baskets, and they pretty much fill all of that up every game. And the students that get there the latest end up getting sent to overflow in the upper level. So they're actually they, Ohio State students have been showing up and showing out for basketball for the last couple of years, um, and they could do that. But Ohio State has season ticket holders that sit in the front few rows on the other side, and I don't think they have any interest in moving those people back to put students. But anyway, that's what Breslin does. That's why Breslin is so crazy because students are literally on top of you, regardless of where you are on the court. And I also am going to try to make the trip to Breslin this year, um, but that's. I'm less excited about that than the Indiana ones. Oh my God, this is a great quote about um, Rutgers, which did not get any votes, but somehow they gave it up. Somehow there was a quote. Some, a coach said about Rutgers, about the rack, it's a shithole. But there's 85 <laughs> – it's a shithole, but there's 8,500 people, and it's a vertical wall. We walked in there, 10th in the country, and I've never been in an arena like that. We were getting, a, we were getting our ass kicked, and I was like, get me the fuck out of here. Oh, my God. What a quote. That's hilarious. It's a sh- – oh, my gosh. It's a shithole. That's really funny. Oh boy, that's all I got for the Big Ten arenas. But that's that's pretty fun. Nobody nobody gave Ohio State any any votes at all. A couple Big Ten venues got some votes, um, but there you go. The rack is a shithole, allegedly. That's funny. Uh, what else do we got going on here that we can give give? What else can we talk about here? There was the athletic article that we could touch on real quick. Um, the 20 most intriguing players in college basketball this season by Brian Hamilton, who is a guy that um, used to cover Notre Dame basketball, but I think he's been over the athletic for a couple years. Um, 
So it's not the 20 best players or the 20 players like to watch, but like the 20 most interesting players to keep tabs on. Which I do think is a kind of a specific distinction, especially when you look at the list. <laughs> right. Like if I was saying Ohio State, if their their player to watch this year for production would be just suing, but I would say their player, most intriguing player to watch would probably be Bryce Sensible. Yeah, if you're just I would agree, interested. I would agree both of those. Yep. Um, like number 16 is Andre Curbelo on their most intriguing players um, who transferred from Illinois to St. John's. Um, I'll read a couple lines just because – it's really good. Um, for those <laughs> confidently aboard the Andre Cabrello Express before the 2021 season, he put in parentheses, clears throat, pulls shirt collar. The end result, <laughs> oh evoked, the end result <laughs> evoked the train derailment scene in The Fugitive. Spectacular. Also, no one involved expected to be sifting through wreckage at the end of the journey. Cabrello can still be a game changer with the ball in his hands. He can be one of the more enjoyable players to watch on any campus anywhere. But there's also a reason Illinois wasn't clutching at his ankles when he was on his way out of town. The <laughs> dynamic at St. John's, meanwhile, doesn't lack for combustible potential. The Long Island native is more or less playing at home, which can be very comforting or very distracting. He's partnering with Posh Alexander, which recently inspired my good friend Dana O'Neill to de- deem the Red Storm a possible surprise team or the sort of experiment that burns off everyone's eyebrows. Curbelo has a usage rate of 27.6% across two college seasons. Alexander is at 20.6% for two years. They have a combined 455 assists against 263 turnovers in just over 100 games. In theory, particularly due to their proven willingness to pass, there's space for both to operate. But in practice, well, it won't be boring. (laughs) So... Yeah, I agree. With, I agree with everything he said. I just disagree how low he is. I think he's definitely a top five guy. <laughs> I love the it could burn off your eyebrows. Like you have two guys in Posh Alexander and Andre Corbello who absolutely want the ball all the time, and they're like uh, like a hundred percent of the time. How is this going to work? So that that hits a good one. He's at sixteen. Um, yeah, I'll definitely be tuning in to say Johns this year. Thirteen is Chris Murray. Um, who probably could should be higher because Chris Murray could be like potentially like a national player of the year candidate. I think. Well, that that's um, what I was going to say about Chris Murray is just, I, I, it's interesting. He's very very talented. There's no doubt, but I'd be curious to see if he'd be on this list if Keegan didn't make that jump last year. You know what I mean? I don't. I think a lot of people just see him as like the next Keegan Murray, which makes sense. I don't think he'll be as good as Keegan, but I definitely think he'll make a jump into probably a first or second team all Big Ten for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's protected to be a first-round pick right now. Um, and it, it sounds like Iowa kind of uh, – it looks like Iowa budgeted out their scholarships ahead of time to make sure that they could also offer Chris Murray to hopefully ensure that they could get Keegan Murray. Um, and now Chris Murray is could be like Big Ten player of the year. Um, a couple lines from that one. Uh, Chris Murray has started one college basketball game and did not average double-digit scoring in 21-22. The projection then is fascinating. On a per 40-minute level, Chris Murray averaged nearly 22 points and 9.5 rebounds as a sophomore. He shot 39% from three-point range. He posted the second-most win shares for Iowa despite not even playing half of sorry, despite not even playing half of most games, so right around 20 minutes a game. 
His frame recommends him as a bona fide pro wing prospect too. It's not too far a cry for the evaluation one might have about Keegan Murray a year ago after he posted seven points over 18 minutes a game as a freshman. So could it be that simple? Could Iowa's torch pass from Luka Garza to Keegan Murray to Chris Murray? Or does 2022 unfold more like a, it says a humdrum development from an unknown prospect into a nice basketball piece? So that's why they're saying it's interesting because they're projecting him. <clears throat> they're projecting him to blow up from like nine points a game to like 20. Yeah. The main thing I took away from that is that Fran McCaffrey should be in jail. Um, yeah, the fact that Chris Murray. Minutes. Yeah, the fact that Chris Murray didn't play as much on that team is just. Yeah, I don't even want to get into it. So and I, then Hunter like, Salas is twelve, and that's the guy that I know that you. That's my boy. Me. I don't know. I don't know much. I don't know much about him. I covered Hunter Salas when I was in Nebraska for a year. He's the first five star in Nebraska high school basketball history. Um, him and Chucky Hepburn, who's Wisconsin's point guard, had a, a incredible back and forth in the state championship game when I was there. Um, that Chucky Hepburn won after they went on a 16-0 run to end the game, by the way. Uh, Salas, was, his, his high school team was ranked top 25 in the country. All five of them went D1. All five of the starters. One is at Creighton now. Uh, one's at Old Dominion. One's at Virginia Tech. I forget what the other one went. Anyway, um, no, Salas is a dude. He's insanely athletic. He's a great defender. He can shoot the ball. He'll be very interesting to watch at Gonzaga. It just kind of sucks he's at Gonzaga and people keep coming in. You know, they're just – they're so loaded and they only – you know, Mark Few doesn't like to go down the bench too much. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how he plays with Nolan Hickman and Julian Strother. And uh, they got a transfer too from Chattanooga – Malachi Smith. So that'll be interesting to see how they play um, all of them together. It's like he averaged, what, about four points a game last year. And I'm just reading that blurb about him that they have in the athletic. And they're basically saying that um, – I mean, Hunter Salas, depending on who else – uh, Mark Few decides to start like Hunter Salas could come off the bench again. Um, that could give them a lot of depth in their lineup to have a guy like him off the bench. But um, it sounds like both he and Hickman um, could come off the bench. Neither of them scored even like five points a game last season. So they are guys that he'll be looking at to hopefully make a leap as a sophomore. Yeah, for sure. Reload. That's all Gonzaga does. Oh, that'll be a fun one. Number nine, Gigi Jackson, South Carolina freshman. Um, yeah. He Michi's was the number – Michi, yes. Yes, this is going to be Michi, Michi Johnson's backup, Gigi Jackson. Um, <laughs> um, Gigi Jackson was committed, I believe, to the University of North Carolina in the class of um, 2023, and he decommitted and committed to South Carolina and then reclassified to 2022, so he's playing this year. Um, I, I believe that is – Partially because he's from South Carolina and partially because um, they dropped an ever-loving bag on him. It sounds, like, it sounds like the bag was, in fact, dropped. Um, Might as well. That legal, I mean, that, that legal bag, you know, we got to specify that now. It's not no Will Wade bag, you know. I'm sure this was a legal bag, so. Yeah, I mean, he's a fun one. He'll, be, he'll make South Carolina fun to watch. Their little blurb about him says um, – the number one prospect in the class of 2023 is now a freshman at college. He did not originally plan to attend. Reclassification is entirely normalized by now, so curiosity lies in the particulars. But rather, rather than a kid deciding to hit fast forward on his NBA draft eligibility, Jackson was North Carolina bound before the change of plans and nobody turns their backs on the Tar Heels. Jackson is North Carolina's 
first decommitment in over 20 years. Jackson doesn't turn 18 until December. He's playing in his home state. His coach has not called a, a single play for the Gamecocks yet, and he's projected as a top 10 pick. The kind of valuation any kid desperately wants to protect. They are very combustible variables, and the possibilities range from revelation to we've seen this movie before irrelevance or some of both. So yes, that would be interesting. What if he just shuts it down like halfway through because South Carolina starts out like 0-8 in a in, uh, SEC play? Yeah, I don't know if, if South Carolina is going to be good, but I'll be watching. Lamont Paris is a really good coach. Uh, he just took them over, right? That's Lamont Paris' team, right? Yeah, I think, I think right so, yeah. And then uh, who's an Ohio guy? By the way, I believe he's from Finley. Uh, I could be completely wrong about that, but I think I'm right about that. And um, I love Michi, obviously. He's a great player. I think you could put Michi Johnson on this list, honest to God. And um, Gigi Jackson is supposed to be really, really good. So we'll see. Uh, Tyrese Hunter is – I mean, he's not your guy, but I know that as – as Purdue was was just begging for any guard to join their program, um, you were almost making like a running joke of it online. Like every time it was like, oh, Purdue's in on this guard. It's like, yeah, of course they are. And like none of the guards went to Purdue. And Tyrese Not Hunter. A single one. <laughs> Tyrese Hunter. I think they ended up getting somebody, but it was like plan J. Um, Tyrese exactly Hunter was, is going to be their point guard. <laughs> Ty, Tyrese Hunter was one of the guys they wanted real early on. and He ended up staying in conference and going from Iowa State to Texas. Yeah. Yeah, Iowa State is Iowa State is like the 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 brand leader in transfers. So, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he'll be good. He was I think the Big 12 freshman of the year last year and I'm guessing that uh Texas probably also uh, a considerably large bag was probably offered in some way shape or form. Yeah, I mixed up what I just said by the way. I I forgot he's going from Iowa State to Texas, not Texas to Iowa State. So, retract what I just said. Uh, Caleb Love, <laughs> Caleb, Caleb Love is five. Derek Whitehead at Duke is four. The Buckeyes will see him. Nick Smith is at Arkansas. Um, um, a freshman is number two. Baylor Shireman at Creighton, transferring, transferring to Creighton from it was uh, South Dakota State, right? Yeah, covered him in high school too. No, that's your guy, right? Um, Creighton will be Nebraska high school top. hoops. By the way, low key, really good when I was there. <laughs> Creighton will be what top five country top five country crazy uh top five team i am so in on creighton this year i think they're going to be really really good i've always thought doug mcdermott was a good coach i think they're going to be phenomenal i think they're going to be a top definitely top five i think you could argue they they're maybe one of the best teams in the country they're they're they return a lot and they added him and fun fact um mcdermott was almost ohio state's coach people people forget that I got into a huge was, argument on Twitter with Jeremy Birmingham about that. He was he was rumored to be the favorite. They had him the in the building. Yeah. They had him in the building because I'm another a fun story is I worked at the shot when I was in college, just like cleaning up the building and stuff during concerts and stuff. And I was working a concert and I saw him there on a like a tour of the building. Like can confirm he was like he was going to be the guy and i was like no i don't want him i'm not ex- eh. i think and i think that i i'm glad they got holman but oh yeah for sure but fireman yeah he, they're gonna be really good and number one on this list before we wrap things up is really really fun because everybody makes fun of him it's zach Eady. zach Eady is yeah, the most interesting I, man in college basketball I have no idea how he's number one on this list um He's not interesting. He's actually he quite boring, and he's just tall. 
I beg right. to differ. He's interesting. He's, he's interesting because <laughs> I don't tall. think he's good at basketball. Yeah, he's I tall. just think he's tall. <laughs> he's tall. Like I, you can't argue he's tall. I mean, I, I argue. Yeah, he's tall. I if you watch him play basketball, it doesn't even look like he's having fun playing basketball. No, it doesn't. It looks like he's playing basketball because he's seven four, which is fine. I mean, if I was seven four, I'd be playing basketball too. You know that. But, <laughs> you know that that gif of like they they usually do it for Stephen A. Smith because he's like covering everything. You know that like gif of like the the jail guards waking up the little like the little kid out of the jail cell like go 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 wake up. That's yeah. Zach Eady, like Going every single game day. Like <laughs> Zach Eady, Zach Eady, all Zach Eady wants to do is like work in an office somewhere and just be a normal person. But because but he's, he's four, because he's seven five, it's like everybody's like get your ass up and go get in the paint. Like he does not look happy to be playing ever. He looks so sad. <laughs> no, he and yeah, it, that's a uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> if he was six, if he was six eight, would he be? As good as he is, if he was six eight instead of seven four, like I don't know. no, I mean that's the crazy part is, and and I'll be the first one to admit I did not know this until I read the article that over forty minute averages he averaged thirty and sixteen, <laughs> just ridiculous. Um, but obviously he was only on the floor for eighteen minutes a, a game, so I I mean <laughs> he averaged four point two fouls per per forty minutes. Um, which is actually two less than two less than he did as a freshman. So as a freshman, he averaged fouling out. <laughs> even Purdue fans are like get super super frustrated with him. So like I don't. Oh, I would. Yeah, I would too. I I don't think that we're like stepping over any lines here by kind of like making fun of him because like he he doesn't look like he's having fun. Um, if he was like six inches shorter, I don't know if he would be a Big Ten basketball player. Um, he's just like the fundamentals. The fundamentals are just absent sometimes, but he scores a lot because he's seven five. And if you get the ball down into the post, if you give him position, he if he gets the ball, you're t- it's done. It's done. Yeah, it's I, so- I mean, yeah, I, I genuinely don't know how you how you stop him without fouling him. I mean, he averaged look to his credit, he averaged fifteen and seven. Um, I think those numbers should be a little higher if you're literally bigger than every single person on the floor. Maybe that's just my little brain. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. That's why Purdue was, that's why like we were just going crazy over Purdue last year. Like every time Purdue lost a game, we both came on here. We're like, it's okay. Purdue is still going to win the big 10 because it's like you have Zach Eady surrounded by like five shooters and you watch Zed key try to guard Zach Eady. And you're like, Oh my gosh, the poor little fella, the poor little fella about Zed key. Who's like six, <laughs> nine. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite thing happened last year. It was like, I think it was maybe Goodman that tweeted this out, like the the Purdue experience, and it was like there's was three plays in a row, and it was Zach Eady catching a ball in the paint and just like dunking it, but not obviously leaving his feet, just putting the ball in the hoop. And then the second play was Jaden Ivey just sprinting down the court and throwing the ball out of bounds. And then the third one was Travion Williams, who he could he could just made an easy chest pass to Sasha Stanovich, who was in the corner. And he tried to throw it behind his back and over his head and threw it into the stands. And it was just like, what the, what is this team? Like, I don't understand what this team is. And, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah. Good luck to him. I think he is maybe the most, I mean, he he might be the most interesting man in college basketball just because of all that's going. And they have no guards this year. They aren't going to be able to, well, we don't think they're going to have any guards. 
they're not going to well, be able to probably point guard is, I don't know. We didn't we didn't mention him because we don't really I mean, I don't I know who he is, but I don't know much about him. But on this list is Purdue's point guard, Trey Kaufman Wren, who's 6-9. So, um they got a point guard, but he's damn near as big as Edie is. So, I mean, he got hurt last year and didn't play at all, so we'll see. He's a top 50 recruit, but he missed his last season with a knee injury. But he's literally 6-9. So, I mean, yeah. they're going to be mean, big. We both, <laughs> like, we, we both think Purdue's going to be good. We'll do a this isn't, But this isn't a season preview thing, so we're not going to talk about Purdue being good. It's just it's just about Zach Eady. Um, Who's big. Who is big. I think the blurb by him is really funny. I'll read that too, and then we'll get on out of here. Um, it says, what would it look like if the most outrageous physical specimen in men's college basketball played more than half the time? We are going to find out. After two seasons of timeshare, the 7'4", 285-pound Edie will assume the bulk of Purdue's center minutes and put prorated statistics to ultimate rest. To review, Edie posted per 40-minute averages of 30.3 points and 16.2 rebounds as a sophomore. He only managed 19 minutes of floor time, of course, and how his frame and cardio and production hold up to a substantially greater pounding will be fascinating. Um, and then in parentheses, it says foul trouble is always a factor. ED averaged four fouls per 40 minutes as a sophomore. Um, earlier this year, when asked Matt Painter if when I asked Matt Painter if ED could be a 30 minute a night guy, Purdue's coach answered, "Sure." That's yeah, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> uh, last <laughs> last last season. Um, oh boy. It says last season in less than half of available minutes, E's 5.4 win shares led the Boilermakers that also featured a future NBA draft lottery pick. Um, no pro rating required to interpret what that pretends. If everyone is right and Edie is more than ready for more, the night to night numbers could be giant. They could be. I, yeah, just, I, is, I don't know what makes him think he's going to play 30 minutes a game. I mean, he's never done that. And I don't know if a seven four player could do that, but it'd be great if he did because he's right. The numbers would be insane. Could Zach Eady play thirty minutes? And sure, yeah, yeah. When his coach says sure, next question, uh, you know, maybe not. Well, that was sure. the best part about Purdue last year was their, you know, what do you do when you you're, of your three best players, two of them cannot be on the floor at the same time? I mean, that was the issue they had. So exactly. at least they don't have that issue this year. So we'll see. So that was. That was good stuff. We don't do that super often. Hopefully it doesn't come off like we're just reading other people's stuff. I mean, we try to talk about that, but some of that stuff that he wrote, the blurbs were really funny. The Athletic employs a lot of really good writers who don't just spit up facts. They are very original and they make stuff funny. So I felt like reading some of those blurbs about those players made a lot of sense and was worth the time. So. <laughs> about do it for us this week though um if you found us on the website or on twitter make sure to also subscribe on spotify or wherever you get your music and podcasts that way when you when we put out a new episode you are notified yeah and if you're catching us on twitter you can catch us at bucketheads lghl and try to do a little more like i always say this but we'll try to do more stuff on twitter maybe some spaces this year as we get closer to the season that'd be kind of cool um so we'll try to just Try to do some more stuff on. We're we're living and learning on the Twitter sphere, if that makes sense. Um, and you can find me. Oh, you can also go to the web uh, the website's Land Grant main account. Good God, is Land Grant thirty three? Right, 
Yeah, Langren33. And I am at Justin underscore Gulp. If you want to follow me, it's at Lamans, L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R. Thanks for listening this week. Uh, last thing, Buckeyes favored by 31 and a half against Toledo this week. Justin, do the Buckeyes cover the 31 and a half? Yeah, yes I, actually, no? I actually say I actually say no. Uh, Toledo's a really good team. I, I don't know. It might be the, no. That might be the Mac in me, but I actually think Toledo's like Kent State's best opponent in the Mac this year. Um, I don't think they cover that. I think it's like 45 to 17. Toledo could put up a couple points. I, I think that'll, that'll piss think, all fans to ever live in hell, but yeah, I think they're I think, over three on the cover. I think Buckeyes win, Rockets cover. Yeah. For Thanks sure. for listening to this week, everybody. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks.